I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. We're talking about developing a life of prayer, and we left off with why is prayer necessary in the life of a believer? And we said that we are coming into another revival. Basically, the darker things become, the more we need to press into God. Because thank God we are not a people without hope. Isn't that right? The Bible says that in Romans 5.20, that where sin abounds, the grace of so much more abounds. Haggai 2 verse 9 says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than that of the former. We find in the book of Acts that they were men and women of prayer. The swift and powerful movement of the Holy Spirit recorded in the book of Acts was not only initiated by prayer, correct? Remember what Jesus said, don't go anywhere, don't do anything, you wait. You wait in my presence, started out with 500, and they ended up with 120 like you are, the remnant. Are you listening? They grew weary in well-doing. They lost hope. They didn't see any manifestation, even though Jesus had promised all along all so many scriptures about the Holy Spirit and his coming. There was only, they were only left with 120 in the upper room. Amen? So that it was initiated in prayer, but it was fed, that revival was fed and sustained by prayer. So we find that when the, at the birth of the church age that the Holy Spirit was poured out. It, one day it was one, one way, and the next second it was another. I believe that's what's happening in the days that you and I live in, that we have not only just coming into revival, but we've stepped into it. So we need to feed and sustain this revival with our prayers. We can't stop. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, he said, Men ought to always pray and not faint. We can't faint if we don't see visible results. We have to keep praying. The Bible says um, in Ephesians, And having done all to stand, we stand therefore. We cannot lose hope. We are not a people without hope. Listen, I know how you are, because you're like me, or you wouldn't be here on a Saturday. <laughs> I don't know about you, and I know you're like me, like I said. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. I don't care what it looks like in the world. I don't care about any of it. I know one thing. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said, I am the Lord God, I change not. He said, is anything for, too hard for me? He said, the glory of this latter house is going to be greater than that of the former. There was a move of God in the book of Acts. It is recorded, we have it, but that is the only book in the New Testament that does not have an amen at the end of it. Why? Because we are still living in the time of what we call, and we learn, the church age. 
So if they had signs and wonders and miracles and the power gifts were in manifestation, how much more will you and I see in the day and in the hour we live in? But we have to pray. I believe that Psalms 92.10, this is what's, gonna, what's happening. That there, God said, I am going to anoint you with fresh oil. How? To preach? To lay hands on the sick? No, he, that's good. We receive that. But God is anointing his church with fresh oil in the prayer closet, in our corporate united prayer meetings. There is a divine enablement that is stirring up within the body of Christ, Zechariah 12.10, and it is the spirit of grace and supplication, and he is anointing us with fresh oil to pray. Why? Because we got to give birth to this baby. We got to keep things flowing. We've got to keep this revival flowing because it will be fed and sustained by prayer. In the book of Joel, we find that Joel lived in similar times as we do. The Bible says in Joel 2 2 that he said, he said it's a day of gloominess and a day of darkness. I don't know about you, but I have on my phone, you know, I have this, um, I have this uh, app. I don't want to say which station, but it's a certain news station. <laughs> and it, it's like every five minutes I get this news flash. And it's the negativity is just seeping, seeps out of, out of the news media. I got to shut that thing off. Because if you're going to be a man and a woman of prayer, you have to be a man and a woman of vision. Because you don't look at the outward. You only look with what you see on the inside of you. I see revival coming. I see this land that's desolate becoming like the Garden of Eden. I see a move of God rising in the earth. I see revival hitting cities. I think about the Azusa Street revival and all those revivals of days gone by. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, how much more will you and I have the desires of our hearts if we just ask? So Joel said, hey, listen, it's a day of gloominess and darkness, but what was the solution? And, you know, the Old Testament pattern can help us with the new. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 through 13 says, Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with your whole heart. How? With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Oh, we don't want to hear about weeping and mourning. No, no, no. We want to hear about favor. We want to hear about all these things that we have. He surrounds us with favor like a shield. And he'll open up doors that no man can shut. And God will give me my new car. And God will give me my job. And God will open the way, make a way of escape. And I'm, I'm good with that. Because I believe there's every ministry leader has a part in the puzzle. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We all are part of the plan. We all have a voice. So I don't criticize anybody. I just know for me, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm ever going to have like a Joyce Meyer, Joel Olsen kind of ministry. Why? Because, you know, you're just... You point your fingers and you're telling people to, you know, to like pray and get them on their knees. And not everybody wants to hear that. They want the feel-good gospel, which I believe in. Are you listening? I believe in that. I believe that there's certain ministries that open up the door. People come in, they come into the fold, and if they want more, they go seek more. 
So I'm not going to be anybody. I can't even believe that anybody would even criticize anybody. Everybody's doing their job. Leave them alone. Like, who are we to judge another man's servant? Their message isn't my message. So that here we hear Joel saying, he says, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He said, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. He, and he relents from doing harm. Hosea 6.3 says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He is going, his going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain. Do you believe that? Like the latter and the former rain. I was speaking to my editor uh, on Sunday afternoon, and I had been listening to Bill Johnson and when she called, and she went to his school in California. Not his school, I think the school and the church. And I, I said, I said, you know, Amy, I said, I said, is it, is it really true that Bill Johnson and, and the, the church there, Bethel, that, that they really see a lot of miracles? She says, absolutely. She says, I said, well, I remember you telling me that everything you've heard about Bethel is true. I said, so they would see a lot of miracles? She said, absolutely. She said, one time, she actually told me two stories. She said, one time, she said, Bill Johnson was preaching. She, says, she said, I wasn't there, but I heard about it. She said, he was preaching. She said, and it started to rain inside the building. Are you kidding me? And he turned around, and if anybody knows Bill, he went, hmm. Turned back around and kept preaching. She said, he was, they were in a meeting. She said, and we were actually there, where the glory of God came in the room. She said, and the glory of God came up, and it was like a mist and a haze in the entire building. He, she said, we were there for that. How many of you believe God could come like the rain? Like the former and the latter rain? Didn't he say in his word, I promise you, I will pour water on those that are thirsty and floods upon the dry ground? He promised it, didn't he? But what did he say? Zechariah 12.10 said, but you got to ask. Ask for the rain in the time of the latter rain. And God said, I'm going to pour out of my spirit on all flesh. He said, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And let me just tell you straight up, there is no junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out, like he said, on the young and on the old. And he is going to manifest himself in ways that we exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, hope, dream, or desire. And I don't know about you, but I know what I desire. I desire that the power gifts be in manifestation in the day and the hour that you and I live. I covet them. I desire them. I crave them. I've been praying about it, been talking about it in our corporate meetings. Lord, send the, send the rain and send specifically more and more manifestation of the power gifts. You know what the power gifts are? The kind of gifts that Catherine Kuhlman had in her meetings. The word, uh, it's the gift of faith. Working in miracles, 
and gifts of healings. If we don't crave them and desire them, we're not going to see them. But I know that our God is going to manifest himself in those ways. If he said the glory of this latter house is going to be greater than the former, and they had those types of moves, uh, the move of the Spirit in the, in the early church, how much more, you and I? Okay, let's go on. In general, why is prayer necessary? We're just going to highlight over this one, because I think... Possibly Eva may have talked about it because man is God's avenue into the earth. Therefore, it is necessary that we ask. Let me just say this. <laughs> it's another little rampage I'm going to be careful not to go off on. <laughs> it's not que sera, sera, and whatever will be, will be. James 4.2 says, you have not... Because you ask not. Satan is the God of this world. Prayer opens up the door for God to work. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We have to ask. Man is God's avenue into the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now this is what I want you, the church, to do. Now you go and therefore you do. So we are God's avenue into the earth. Matthew 7, 11, If you then being evil or natural know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good things to them that ask? And we have to ask. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say to you, two of you shall agree on earth, right here on earth, as touching anything that they will ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. John 15, 16. We're not going to go over all of them, just highlighting a few. You did not choose me, but I've chosen you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. It's always a good reminder, isn't it? <laughs> and that your fruit should remain. And he said, and whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give it you. You have to ask. I heard a minister friend of mine say one time, he said, I am um, not under the law, I am under grace. So because I'm under grace, I don't have to ask. Because if you seek first the kingdom and you're in grace, all these things just come. There is an element of truth. Obviously, that's the Bible. But you have not, sweetheart you don't ask. Even the Apostle Paul himself said, pray for us. For what? That the word of the Lord may have free course and that we would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. He said another time, pray for us. For what? That God would open up doors of utterance to make known the mystery of the faith. Even the Apostle Paul asked for prayer you got to ask. Everyone say, i got to ask. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given you. 
seek and you will find. To him that knocks, the door will be open. Let me tell you a really quick story. Does anybody know who um, John Ramirez is? Google him, but don't let your kids Google him until you watch it first. John Ramirez. I learned something from him. You know, you can learn a lot about the spirit if you just listen. John, I don't even know how I heard about him, but it was the Holy Ghost. Because if you, if you seek, you will find. And I want to know about the laws of the spirit. And I want to understand what prayer produces. And I want to be effective as a leader. Are you listening? So somehow I found John Ramirez. And I listened to a couple of his YouTubes, and he was an ex-Satanist high priest at the very highest level that you could possibly attain. He said it himself out of his own mouth. He said, my father was the devil. Lucifer, he said, would come into his room and sit and talk to him. High-level ranking ex-Satanist high priest. Are you listening? Don't get scared of what I'm going to say, but maybe we should be scared. He said he would pray in order to get to uh, obtain the level that he got to. He said he would pray in demonic tongues all night long. You talk about discipline. He got to such a place in the spirit. <clears throat> There's a lot in his book, too. You should read it. He could take somebody out by putting a curse on them, by doing all kinds of witchcraft and so on and so forth. But what caught my attention was two things. Number one, he discovered that if a person, he said normally he could take somebody out within X amount of time. He said, but if a person was a Christian, he said he couldn't take them out. He said one time, he said he left his body, oh, he would do this often, but one story he told was he, he left it, he would leave his body, he would go up over nations, over cities, over regions. He said he'd go, over, he'd go over neighborhoods. Now listen to this. He said, and he would put word curses on neighborhoods. Think about the power of your words and my words, how powerful they are. That's all another story, right? Kind of makes you want to make sure you watch what you say. He said, but... He said, but if I went into a neighborhood, moms, stay-at-home moms, and somebody, maybe there's a dad that's a stay-at-home dad. I knew one of those. He said, if I would go into a neighborhood and there was a praying remnant in that neighborhood, he said he couldn't do what he wanted to do in that neighborhood. Don't tell me your prayers don't work. Don't tell me that you don't have to ask. There are demons, devils, and evil spirits, and we have the authority here on this earth to bind and to loose. And when we pray, every knee must bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. My friend and I, she got saved in my house, good Catholic girl. She got saved in my house, and I thought to myself, this is really going to be fun because I'm going to teach her how to pray, and we're going to pray for the nations. We're going to pray for revival. We're going to pray for all these big things. And you know what happened with her? What happened is, you know, God has one agenda, and we have another. A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. 
You know, God's saying something to you today. I don't know what that's about, but he keeps saying the same thing. So when I began to teach her how to pray, you know what happened? We didn't pray for the nations. That wasn't our assignment. Everyone say assignment. Assignment. Everyone say that word again. Assignment. You know, you can have prayer assignments. Who gives you the prayer assignments? The Holy Spirit. That that, That time with her was not our assignment. We started to pray, and you know what we ended up praying for? I would say about six to eight years, every week, every other week, whatever we could do it, as much as we could, at least two to four times a month. You know what our assignment was? We prayed for our children, that all of our children would be taught of the Lord, and that great would be the peace and undisturbed composure of our children. We prayed that God would open up doors for them. We prayed that God would give them favor. We prayed that anything not planted of the Lord would be uprooted. Friendships, relationships, boyfriends, girlfriends. We prayed that when they were doing the college application, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would go before them and prepare the way. Make the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain. We pray that you would give them favor with the people and that they would be planted and not uprooted in the right college at the right time at the right place in the name of Jesus. We prayed for their mates. We prayed for that they would that they would be fruitful. We prayed if they had a test, we prayed that God would give them wisdom beyond their years, that he would quicken their minds, strengthen them in their body. Do you think it worked? Then when they graduated college, now it was the whole job search. (laughs) So we went on another prayer tangent. But I'm going to tell you something. All of our children are taught of the Lord. Great is the peace of our children. Our kids have not fallen into some of the traps that others have fallen into. I am telling you straight up, prayer opens up the door for God to work. We have not because we ask not. We have got to pray. Well, you mean you kept praying for the same thing week after week? Yes, we did. That's intercession. It's not the prayer of faith praying for yourself. It's standing in the gap, putting up the hedge, having done all to stand, standing there for, praying through to victory. I can see it because you see, you know, time, you know, there, you know, in, in a sense, you know, when you've had three kids in one year, like I have, and they, you're surrounded by all their friends, which a lot of them I call my godchildren, you can see the fruit of prayer. Because some of those kids, they, they went into directions and are doing things and the struggle and this, that, and the other thing. My kids are definitely not perfect. But I'm telling you, I believe. And I feel the Holy Ghost on this one. I believe we aborted a lot of things. A lot of things that potentially could have brought them harm. Potentially could have gotten them off track. You can get a prayer assignment in a dream. Can I please preach my notes? What is it with the Holy Ghost? You can get a prayer assignment in a dream. Okay, I'm going to tell you straight up, but it's fine. I had a dream about one of my kids. Their warnings, their heavenly warnings. God speaks through dreams. 
He'll show you things to come. He'll encourage you. He'll give you warnings, so on and so forth. Pay attention to your dreams. Give you direction. I had a, I had a warning dream. Everyone say, warning dream. Warning. Well, what do you do with a warning dream? You take it to prayer. And not everything, you're not supposed to say everything you get. Right. Mommy, Daddy. Some things you've got to be like Mary. You just know things about your kids, and you hide them in your heart. You listening? I'm just going to forget about my notes and just go with the flow. And if I, you know, anything stops, I'll just go back. I had a warning dream, and in the dream, I saw my daughter getting abducted. You put that in your pocket and see if you're not going to pray that one through to victory. There is, no, there is no greater rage and no greater love than a mother's love. No weapon formed against my child will prosper. People say to me, I'll, I'll do a whole seminar on you know, prayer and intercession, and prayer, 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 and this, that, and the other thing, and just the whole thing on prayer. And then I'll have a mother come up to me, and, and it's okay, it's fine. Could you pray for my child? I'm sitting there going, I just taught you how to pray. Take what you've learned and do it. Your prayers work just like my prayers work. Listen, we have more knowledge and more revelation than Catherine Coleman had. So what'd you do? I took that into the prayer closet. Now I don't pray in a closet, because once you've disciplined in prayer, you know how to pray. You know, you can pray in a room and get caught up with God. That's a big revelation right there, because you can discipline yourself. Once you reach a certain level, you know how to tap into that, and you don't need all that discipline to keep you in the flow. <laughs> Some things are better taught than caught, or caught the opposite. Caught than taught. Yep, yep. Did you get that? Did you get that? What did I just say? I can, I can know how to get into that zone and into that place by being in a room. I don't have to close into a closet. Because you discipline, you train yourself. And once you get to that place, you don't need all that padding. That's good preaching, thank you. So I took that into prayer, and I began to say, no weapon. I actually went to my friend Susan's, and I, I didn't tell her the dream, but I did pray for my daughter. I prayed, no weapon formed against her will prosper, and prayed divine protection, prayed Psalms 91 over her, prayed that she would be led by her spirit, that her spirit would alert her, so on and so forth, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. Pray, pray, pray. And after I did everything I knew to pray, I prayed in tongues. Do you know that the, it, tongues is the language of the spirit? When you speak in an unknown tongue, you speak not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the spirit, he speak, you speak mysteries. God understands you. But one thing the Holy Ghost said to us at our November KIU event, he said, when you pray in tongues, he says that language of the spirit goes up out of you and goes into the realm of the spirit and demolishes the works of darkness. Listen to it. I never really saw it like that. But it, it, it causes the enemy to cease in his advancement, and it demolishes him. We, it's a prayer language. It's a secret prayer. It's, a, it's one of the weapons of our warfare. 
So I uh, prayed in tongues, prayed in the spirit. I didn't say anything to her. I mean, you know, as a mother, you're always telling your kids, don't we? You know, my daughter, the other one, you know, the, the car's not going into reverse. Okay, Jack, that's a problem. You know, and then sometimes it's not going into D. Jack, it's your transmission. Call your uncle and take it to the place and get it fixed. And then I do the Italian thing while I'm on the phone with her. You can tell your kids, and you know, they ultimately got to just do what they got to do. So I, I told my other daughter, I said, okay, Danielle, blah, 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 whatever I told her. Do you know that about three months later, you know what she told me? I'm sitting, you know, you, you, these kids, you're like this. Great. You know, you're on the phone with them. She said she was at a grocery store, and some guy came up to her and was talking to her and wouldn't stop talking to her and was talking to her for a long time and then wanted to take her groceries or whatever into his car, her car, for her. And you know what, I, I, I just, I told her, I said, well, let me just tell you straight up. Now I'm telling her. I had a dream about you, and in the dream, and I told her what the dream was. See, the Holy Ghost is speaking to many of you about different ones of your kids. Do you know how you can tell if your kid is marked? Check out the warfare that's around them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we have more time. You guys ready to keep going? So why is it necessary that we pray? We have to ask. Because man is God's avenue into the earth. Ruth Bell Graham once said, God has decreed to act in response to prayer. Ask, he commands us, and Satan trembles for fear that we will. Now, when we ask, we have to ask boldly and with confidence. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Do you want to open your Bibles? When we ask, we have to ask boldly. Everybody say boldly. Here we see Adam and Eve, and I know you know the story. They fell, they fell into sin, so on and so forth. Right? God told them, don't eat of that tree. In the, the day that you do, you will surely die in the whole, the whole nine yards. Did Adam and Eve listen to God? Don't you think it's always best to listen to God? Do you know what? How do you listen to God? They that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Sometimes I had a friend of mine say, I just wish God would speak to me in, an, in a burning bush and in an audible voice. You know what? That's not how he operates under the New Testament. You know what my heart told me this year? This year my heart said to me, 
Do not accept a lot of speaking engagements this year. And my inner witness was, you are going to have a lot of family uh, obligations isn't really the right word, but I knew I was going to have a lot of family events for 2017. So be very careful where you accept and don't overdo it and overextend. You know, some of us wear a lot of hats. Long story short, we're going to see Danielle twice in Rhode Island because she's graduating from Bible school. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. After she graduated high school, she went to Bible school. Thank you, Jesus. Then we got to go see my daughter. I just moved her to California. Got to go see her. How many of you know that's right? She's got a new friend, so mommy and daddy got to go see the new friend. Is there a watchman in the house? Am I right? And so on and so forth. And then my son decides this is the year he's going to get engaged. Now, this won't be out by the time this comes out. It'll be said and done. But he went to get the ring today. Guess what? They want to have a wedding October 28th of 2017. We had a women's event. Every year we have a women's event in October all year long. I've been praying in tongues, seeking God. I'd look on the inside. I'd be listening. What's the theme? What are we going to do? I tell my team, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't know why. I don't have anything. I get nothing. Well, there you go. There's going to be a wedding instead. What's your point? My point is it is very important for us to listen to the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. My sheep hear my voice. You know the voice of God. It's peace. It's a red light. It's a green light. It's always best to listen to the voice of God. How do we get into that? Does anybody know how we got into that? Anyway, let's look here at... Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 has nothing to do with asking boldly. I don't know why we said all that. The point is, you've got to listen to your heart. So if your heart's telling you something about whatever the case may be, listen to your heart. You'll be glad you did. Genesis 3. When we ask, we have to ask boldly. So when the woman saw after the fall that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise... She took it and she ate the fruit. She also gave it to her husband and he ate. Then what happened? The eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife, after they sinned, listen to me, are you listening? After they sinned, after they disobeyed, after they fell, what happened? They sewed fig leaves together because they found out they were naked. They had no consciousness of natural earthly things. They listened to me. They were in the spirit. You talk about being a new creation in Christ Jesus. They were the first creation. They were created by God himself and they were created a living spirit and had a living soul. And here we find out that they sinned, and, and I think God said to him, if you eat of this fruit, 
you will surely die. And the Hebrew says, in dying, you will surely die. In other words, you will die first spiritually, and then you will die physically. I think Adam was how many years old when he died? 900 something. So it took a long time for his body to catch up with what happened. Are you listening? Do you understand that you are a spirit? You have a soul and you live in a body? That is incredible. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So what they did was they covered up in the presence of God when they sinned. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, then what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. They, they, now they're hiding from God. They're covering, they're hiding, they're in fear. Are you listening? And the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, where are you? So he said, I, I, uh, I'm really scared. Like, really scared. I mean, wouldn't you be scared? Like, everybody wants to see an angel nowadays, you know? Right? I don't know if an angel walked in the room. I don't know. I, I'd be so scared. I don't know if I could handle it. Even though they're here, spirit beings are here. Listen, Lord, if you want to show me an angel, I'll see the angel. Now, if he preaches some other gospel, he's a wrong spirit. He's some demon spirit. Uh, like an angel of light kind of a spirit. I'd rebuke him. It's not about these, all these supernatural encounters. You've got to be really careful. He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then God says to him, who, who told you that you were naked? Who, who told you that? You were, you were God conscious and now you're self conscious. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman you gave me, she gave it to me. And I ate it. There's many funny stories about this scripture. But he passed the blame. Instead of taking responsibility for what he did. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman was honest. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. This is what's commonly known as sin consciousness. Let me just tell you, child of God, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things passed away, all things have become new. And in Christ Jesus, you are justified. Justification means just as if you never sinned. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So therefore, when you pray, you don't have to hide from God. Amen. You can go boldly. Listen to me now. I know where you're thinking, and I'm going to get to it. You can go boldly, fearlessly, directly to the throne room of grace and receive from God anything that you need. But Margie, you don't know what I just did. I am not condoning sin that grace may abound. But you, if you are going to be an effective man and woman of prayer, you have to know who you are. You have to know who your father is. 
and you have to be confident in his presence because the scripture says this is the confidence that I have in who? In myself? No, in him. That if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know he hears me, I know I have the petitions I desire of him. I don't have to run from God as one in terror. No, that's what the devil does with me because I have Jesus in me when I resist him. I don't have to hide from God. And let me tell you, but, well, well, what do I do if I, I did do something? Well, the Bible has an answer for that. I had to say all this because it was in me strong. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. All what? All unrighteousness. So if you confess your sin to the Father, he is not going to hang it over your head and beat you up with it. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. So don't tell me that you can't go boldly to the throne room of grace and have confidence in his presence. Moses knew God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How much more you and I under the New Testament based upon better promises can we have an attitude of righteousness before our God and see him face to face when we're under the new covenant? But what about those men in prison, Margie, that you went to see and you're, you're helping train and equip the church behind bars? When you commit a crime, you got to pay it. You have to obey the laws of the land. Yes, God forgives them. That's just as if they never sinned, but there are laws of the land and they have to pay. Yep. You know what I heard Kenneth E. Hagin say one time, and it scared me. See, this kind of stuff should, in a sense, it's not a bad fear, it's a, a righteous, like, it's like a righteous fear. He said, you know, God, he said, God, and I think especially as the more mature you get, he said, God will judge you more on spiritual sin than he will on fleshly carnal sin. What does that mean? It's the attitude of the heart. It's the pride of heart of the heart. It's the heart, the things that we don't see. And then here we are, you know, hating somebody, despising them or jealous of them or whatever it is. And then we see somebody, you know, doing whatever, and we're sitting there judging them. You know what I just heard the Holy Ghost say to me? He said, I look at the eye. Men, hold on, I just got to hold on to the pulpit for a minute and absorb this. Man looks on the outward. God said, I look on the heart. You can have somebody, they're struggling and struggling and struggling with the outward, but God looks at the heart. David committed adultery and did all kinds of things, but you know what God called him? 
He's a man after my own heart. You see your brother sin, you, you then that are strong should bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please yourself. We should be bearing one another's burdens and love covers a multitude of sin. We should judge ourselves lest we be judged. I, I feel sorry for people who are highly judgmental. I just heard the Holy Ghost say to me, he said, I know your frame, and I remember that you are dust. If you come to me with clean hands and a pure heart, and you confess those things to me, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I know your heart. Your heart is right toward me. You love me like I love you with an everlasting love, and there is no good thing I will withhold from you. You don't allow the enemy to steal your joy by inflicting pain in you, the pain of guilt and shame. I take authority over that in the name of Jesus, and I bind every work of darkness off of your heart and off of your life in Jesus' name. I break the fruit of that and those lies of the enemy. There's someone in here, you have an eating disorder. You continue to give that thing to God, and I guarantee you, he will strengthen you in that area of your life. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. And God said, with the temptation, I will provide for you a way of escape. I will heal you of your wounds. The outward is just a manifestation of wounding that you had as a child. I the Lord your God, I am in the midst of you, and I will heal you of your wounds. And when you are healed of that which was inflicted upon you, you are going to go and you are going to strengthen your brethren. And you are going to comfort others with the same comfort wherewith you have been comforted. Because you are a person who has a tremendous amount of love and compassion. You are the kind of person that senses things, that you don't always know what to do with it. You sense needs in people, and you're very sensitive. You are someone who is mercy motivated. And the enemy saw that in you, and therefore he inflicted harm, because the enemy will always attack you where your gifting is, because he sees things about people that you and I don't see and those are the strategies of the enemy. So I see God coming in and he healing you of your wounds. Just remember this. When you are brokenhearted, God said, I'm close to you. So as you battle that eating disorder, God said, I've been close to you the whole time. I don't want you to run from me. I want you to run to me. hate the devil. Stay with me. 
Thank you, Lord. There's someone in here, you have a, an anger problem. The Holy Ghost told me to tell you to apply God's medicine to the anger problem. What is God's medicine? God's medicine. Proverbs 4, 20-23. Apply 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Stay with me. What is 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not easily provoked. You apply God's medicine to that area of your life, and he will heal you of your wounds. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue, and you've inflicted uh, the wounding on others because you were wounded as a child. And that's what the anger is from. God's going to heal you of your wounds. But I'm just going to say this. You also need to say you're sorry to some people. God's medicine for you is 1 Corinthians 13, Joshua 1.8. Meditate on the word day and night on that particular scripture. That's your assignment. And when you meditate upon that, you'll make your way prosperous. It'll cause you to, Romans 12, 1 and 2, your mind will be renewed and you won't act out the way you've been acting out. You're really hurting your family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody in here, you are extremely hard on yourself. And I hear the Holy Ghost saying, I am not hard on you. You're harder, harder on yourself than I am on you. I'm not even hard on you. God wants you to let that go. Let it go. I hear the Holy Ghost saying, stop being so hard on yourself. You tend toward perfectionism, and I tend toward mercy. Take my yoke upon you and just learn of me. Get to know me. And stop with all the laboring to be perfect. <clears throat> How many of you don't know about the whole being hard on yourself thing? I would be one of those. But I've learned, you know, you can learn not to yield to certain temptations. It only does you harm. All these things keep us from presence. I didn't pray today. God's mad at me. He's not mad at you. God's angry at me. He's not angry. Chill the heck out. That was your earthly father. 
who disapproved of you. Don't translate that into your Heavenly Father. God is not a man. He is a spirit, and he is the perfect Father, and he loves you with an everlasting love. When you come to him, he said, I will in no wise cast you out. He created you to fellowship with him and to enjoy him. Let's conclude. Did you get anything out of this today? Have you ever run from God? I have. Have you ever gotten mad at God? I have. Recently. You wrote books on prayer, really? So what? I recently was like so upset with God because when things don't change, you get disappointed. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you get disappointed. And then you blame God. He didn't answer my prayer. Well, you don't even know what he's doing. And a lot of times when it comes to God, he's dealing with people. And the reason it's taken so long is because that person's not yielding. You know what I told my, my daughter, my one daughter, the one in Cali? I said, you know what I like about you, Jack? Because I'll tell her something. You need to do this, 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 and this. And she's a strong-willed girl, so don't, don't misunderstand. I said, you need to do this, 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 and this. God said to me to tell you, you do this, this. And she goes, okay, Mommy. She starts listening to Brian Houston, listening to her words. Like, immediately she does. I says, listen, do me a favor. I got enough on my plate. Just do what I tell you to do, and it'll be a lot easier for me. <laughs> you know, she just does it. Sometimes you don't see answers to your prayers because God's got to deal with people and circumstances and all this other stuff that goes on that you don't know about. Just continue in prayer and watch. Don't give up. Everybody say, don't give up. Thank you, Lord. In conclusion, Hebrews 4, 16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That word boldly, you know what it means? It means, Webster says, fearlessly. That's a far cry from messing up and hiding from God, isn't it? Taking liberties, shameless. Any addictive disorders? There you go, shameless. You run to him. Greek word is P-A-R-R-H-E-S-I-A, and that means absence of fear in speaking boldly, confidence, and cheerful courage. So you can go boldly to the throne of grace, and you can obtain whatever you want. Everyone say, I am bold. I am strong. I am confident. I am going to run the race. I am going to continue to pray. Heavenly Father, I come boldly to the throne of grace. I ask, oh, I really mean this, I ask that you would give me grace 
for this area of my life. And lay your hand on your head. And pray in tongues. Father, give us grace for whatever that means to each and every individual. Give them grace. De la basson da la basheke da la boso tada da boho. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, look up here at me. Don't ever forget who you are. You are a child of God. He is your father, you are his child. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know what true humility is? It's running to God and saying, I need you in this area of my life. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.